feeling feel pretty creepy. Welcome to Creep Club, a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted, where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre to discuss which ones creep and which ones should be put to sleep. And tonight, we are discussing three extremes. Danny's choice. And I will never forgive you. Um, uh, that, uh, uh, uh well, okay, so. Wow, coming in hot. Yeah, coming in hot. <laughs> No, I got a lot of I got a lot of things to say about this one as well, mixed all over the board. But that's kind of the cool thing about anthologies, which this movie is. And anthologies are probably some of my favorite horror. Um, you got Trick or Treat, you got Creep Show, and the Extremes or Three Extremes. I keep wanting to saying the Extremes, but it's Three Extremes. So, Danny, first of all, where did you find this movie? Uh, that's a really good question. I do not remember at all. Fascinating. How I found this movie. <laughs> I know I watched it sometime when I was in college, which would be uh, 12 or 13 years ago. And I had not watched it since then. So it's been a while. I remembered the barest outlines of the second and third of the three sub sub films within this film and the the one that I remember the most was Dumplings probably because it was first and also because it contains uh, aborted fetuses which will probably be taking up well it'll probably be taking up most of the conversation tonight will probably be Dumplings I don't not know. for me I don't really? know I've got I've got them some things to say that about. was my least favorite of the three huh. spoiler really okay yeah also Hello, this is now Park Chan-wook's second appearance on Creep Club yes. in season one. Hello. So let me introduce this anthology for everyone. Great. This is a three-in-one deal, kind of like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not. But not like really that. at all. Uh, so the three films that we have in this anthology are Dumplings, which is by a Hong Kong director named Fruit Chan. And I had never heard of him before. Had either of you no. heard of, of Fruit Chan? Nope. No, me neither. Um, so it was first, first for all of us for him. Second one is a film called Cut, which is by our fave Park Chan-wook. My boyfriend. Tanya's Park boyfriend, Chan-wook. Park Chan-wook. Uh, we know him from Thirst, of course, which we talked about in this podcast. Also, of course, Old Boy, Snowpiercer, lots of good stuff. Uh and then our third in this anthology is called Box, and it is by a Japanese director by the name of Takashi Miike, who also directed Audition, which is a film that uh, was gross, and I liked that about it, but uh, would be hard to watch again. Also, I don't know if either of you have heard of the, the movie Zebra Man. It's this really corny, like dark, humorous, silly film. He did that. I watched that in college. And he's also directed a lot of, like, Yakuza-themed films, which are not within my interest, so I have not seen any of them. Um, I've seen Visitor Q and um, an Audition, but I don't think I've seen any other 
many others. And I barely remember Visitor Q, except that it was one of the most disgusting and disturbing movies I've ever seen. And that's kind of all I remember about it. I don't remember why. That's all that was left with me. Yeah, from what I gathered, uh, Takashi Miike is known for both like crime related, like Yakuza related stuff, and also really fucked up, gross slash sexual, gross horror. That was Visitor Q. That's more in that category. (laughs) Chan, have you had any experiences with either of those directors who are not Park Chan-wook? No, I have not. uh, I have not. But um, all the things that you described pretty much sum up this movie as well. Uh, Gross, disturbing, upsetting. Gross. (laughs) So, okay. Um, First and foremost, I have to say that I think... I could probably pair each of these films with each of us based on okay based on who go. I think is hat whose favorite each of these would be. Um, I'm curious to talk about that. Before we talk about that, let's talk about each of these little mini films, and then I would love to also talk about why they pair well together, or maybe why they don't pair well. We can talk about it. But first and foremost... Give us your prediction yes. first, and then we'll oh, unfold. Okay, you want my prediction first? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to say I will pair the third one, Box, with Tanya. I will pair the second one, Cut, with Chance. And I will pair the first one, Dumplings, with me. Was I right? Okay. What we Do we want to reveal that now? Dan, Dan, do you want to know? Yeah, I really do. You nailed it. Really? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that okay, I feel uh like a mind reader, first of all. Good. It's like it's a tough call for which one was my favorite, but the second two were like closely tied and I have a lot to say about how I forced myself to choose one over the other. But um but but again, Park Chan Wook is my boyfriend and I will support <laughs> him no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, For me, I would definitely say that Dumplings was not like, it was not a runaway for me. I enjoyed Dumplings, I think, a little bit more than the other two, but it was a close. It was close for me, for all three of them. So let's get into let's get into let's get into it. Yeah, let's just jump in. Okay, so Dumplings. Let's talk about uh, who, 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 who is the dumpling? That's not what this is about at all. It's about dumplings and how they're gross. Um, That was dumb. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> let me start so... over. Let me start over. Okay, that was stupid. So Dumplings, we start out uh, following a character who we only know as Mrs. Lee, Ms. Lee, who is a theoretically an aging actress, although she looks pretty young to me. However, she's getting insecure about her agingness, and also her husband does not really care much about her anymore. He's he has a mistress behind her back. He kind of just throws money at her and says he's going away for a business trip. And we all know what that means. Shablam. What does it mean? He's it going means. on a business trip. He's going he has on a, a lot of business to do? Business in someone else's pants. Oh. Um, specifically. He's doing the business. He's doing, he's getting busy with it. No? Yeah. No. <laughs> How old are you again? Well, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that's that's where we are at. Miss Lee is not happy. And she is trying to find some way to gain back the spark between her husband and herself. And also just to, like, 
look young. She she feels like she's starting to age and she doesn't like that. So she goes to a kind of seedy apartment complex to meet someone who goes by Aunt May. And there is a little rumor going around that she has dumplings that rejuvenate women, make them look younger. They give them like their vitality back. Um, and so Ms. Uh, Ms. Lee goes to try these dumplings. And we find out pretty quickly that these dumplings are made from aborted fetuses, like hu- human aborted yeah, fetuses. Yeah, they look jellied. Yes, they, they look jellied like jellied fetuses. Well, the early ones do. They get a little less jelly. They get crunchy. They get crunchier <laughs> as the Right, <laughs> progressively <goes> crunchier. <laughs> they get crunchier. So uh, at first, Ms. Lee is like kind of not, she's not thrilled about eating fetuses, but she's like, it'll make me hot. So, you know. <laughs> that's fine. I'll eat some fetuses. That's something that I'm willing to do. Uh, we also learned that Aunt May has been procuring her fetuses, both through a shady deal with a local clinic or hospital, as well as being an abortion like midwife. So uh, we see her assisting in an abortion with a teenage girl who is five months pregnant and unfortunately the baby is a child of incest. So uh, that comes up as a reason why this particular fetus is particularly powerful to rejuvenate someone who eats dumplings with it in it. Um, So let's stop there. How do you feel about that? I mean, that sums up the the movie pretty much. Uh, It it had a very, initially it had a very uh, death becomes her kind of vibe to it. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. Like not just because of the rejuvenation thing and the like doing weird stuff to get you to look younger, but also like it felt like a little bit of a nod to that movie when she's like, how old do you think I look? Like that's, that's like a scene directly out of death becomes her. Um, which was nice. Yeah, the whole tone and everything, the motivations yeah. and everything felt very Death There's Becomes There's like her. kind of a silliness yeah. to it all yeah. as well that's kind of like Death Becomes Her, although Death Becomes Her is much sillier than this than this film was. Yeah, the, the silliness gets drained out pretty quick for me. Uh, as soon as, like when they first, like they, they don't hold back in this one at all. They're, they're pretty graphic with everything that's going on. And I watched it kind of late at night and so when they do the initial cutting of the really smaller fetus, like, it's real quick. And I was like, wait a minute, was that a fucking fetus that I just saw? <laughs> and so it just kind of uh, unraveled from there. But uh, if you want to know my feelings on it, I, this is the one I was most mixed about. It was beautifully shot. Uh, the sound design and the music was great. Uh, I loved all the acting viscerally it was horrendous and the content (laughs) was just so dark not just the eating of the fetuses but the incest and all these poor underage girls who are having their i don't know if they're miscarried or they're having abortions to to supply the fetuses it was just a grim it was it was good but i took no joy in watching it i'll put it that way I had a little joy. <laughs> I didn't find it fun. It just wasn't fun to watch for me. But I, I kind of agree with you. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, but um, it was my least favorite of the three. That doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It was just like, 
it felt like the other two were perfect companions and and this one was like a it was almost like the it this was the slap in the face to get you to recalibrate and pay attention like they hit you with some jellied fetuses so that you're like all right so it's all downhill from here <laughs> um but I, I agree, like, the performances were so good. Specifically, uh, the woman who plays Ms. Lee, her face acting, which people use as, like, an insult, but, like, her the subtle expressions that she's making throughout the entire movie where, like, you don't really get to know that character except what she's motivated by and, like, the challenges she's facing in her life, but you don't really know who she is. She's not, like, a very well-rounded character. So she's, like, filling in all of these gaps with just really subtle acting and, like, I would say, like, near the end, there's, like, a long, a long <clears throat> frame of, of her just, like, eating the dumplings and making faces. <laughs> and there's, like, so much to read into it. And I don't know. Her performance was great. And I kind of fell in love with her face because there were so many shots of her just, like, chewing on dumplings. And it was, like, oddly erotic. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she was incredible. And and the woman that played... Um, Aunt May. Aunt May uh, was, was great, too. Just her, like you know, kind of chaotic energy and uh, being a little bit of a, a wild card. She was, like, really entertaining. Um, the criticism that I would have is that it didn't feel like it progressed anywhere. Like, I kind of just kind of knew how it was going to go, except for the, like, subplot of the the young woman that, that we see have an abortion um, at the hands of Aunt May and how that evolves, how that sub story subplot evolves that kind of like mixed it up a little bit but it kind of fell flat for me at the end like yeah like that like I felt a little unsatisfied at the end yeah I can definitely see that for me the reason why I, I felt that way at first and then the reason why I kind of came back around is because the, the best way I can describe it is the facial expressions of the actress who plays Ms. Lee at the end is just kind of like nonchalant like she's like well this is what I'm doing now like I'm eating fetuses and it gave me the impression of like I'm just not gonna dissect this further uh why I need to do this so much but this is what I've chosen to do and that's that and that gave me that's how that's the vibe of the end of the film is kind of like that was that 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 is what has happened some people mm -hmm. uh just choose to do fucked up things in the sake of x y and z and so I kind of liked that it ended just like, well, there you go, you know? That's kind of how it starts, too. Like, there's no preamble. There's no explanation. Like, that you don't need it. You, she just shows up at this woman's door and is like, I hear you sell really good dumplings, wink, wink. And that's kind of like it. We, we figure out the rest really quickly. We don't need a lot of, like, dramatic introduction to the characters. So it is sort of like you get dropped into someone's life, someone very strange leading a very strange life. And then you just get plucked right back out. <laughs> and I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny, the contrast, because, you know, we, we were talking about The Conjuring last time and uh, you guys hated it. And one of my criticisms of it is the Hollywoodness of the whole production and the schlock and sort of the predictability um, of, the, of the movie, of what's all the beats that are going to happen. And it's funny because this is an example where. I was expecting more of a death becomes her 
conclusion where there's like it builds up to something catastrophic and it completely backfires right like she miss lee gets her uh uh what's it come uppins uh but she doesn't right it goes a totally different way and then it just is sort of a mundane ending and like Mm -hmm. it fell flat for me too for that reason but the irony is like what's the alternative like the hollywood ending right like the predictable ending which you didn't yeah it's i totally understand it but yeah i just really liked that it was just like it just ended you know uh, it made me think about god who's the crazy billionaire who's like been there's several of them who've been funding like creepy life extension research you know like trying to find immortality that's all of them dandy yeah there's like a handful of them that are super like blatantly into that and I was thinking after this movie, like, yeah, some I wouldn't put it past some of these billionaires. Like if they were given some evidence that (laughs) eating fetuses could prolong their life, I would not put it past them to do it. So like nothing would nothing would happen to them. I'm sure they could get away with it. So I kind of liked that it it mirrored. I wouldn't want to say it mirrored reality, but it uh, the vibe about how fucked up it was mirrored what I would say would happen in reality. It's funny that yeah. you mentioned that because out of the three of us, I'm probably the only like uh, conspiracy theory buff, right? And you know, it's like a conspiratorial joke, right? The elites are out there eating babies, and you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like it's like a funny <clears throat> conspiratorial joke, but. I was thinking about this when I was watching it, and they present it in such a matter-of-fact, mundane, step-by-step presentation of what that would actually look like. And it was horrifying and really upsetting, and I really did not like watching it. So it was funny to see that sort of concept presented in a way of like, yeah, this is how it would actually exist in the real world. And it was awful. (laughs) It's interesting, like, I did not have a visceral response to that. Like, I got what they were doing, and I kind of thought it was funny. Um, eating babies is funny to me, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. I It didn't gross me out as much as, I mean, you might expect the average person to be grossed out. I don't know why exactly. Um, yeah, it just didn't, like... It didn't hit me in that in that same way. And, and, it's, and it's not even, like, a moral... Uh, it wasn't repugnant in like a moral way, right? For me, it was just a, a like a, I can't even put words to it. It's just like an internal feeling that I was getting when I was watching it. That it was just like, it's like watching <laughs> someone eat with their mouth open or something. You know what I mean? It's you, just like ugh. you hear to hear, you heard it here first, folks. Chance does not have an ethical problem with eating. No, things. I he think it's totally fine. <laughs> not particularly like tasty, you know. <laughs> Probably better for the earth than cows, you know. So you know it. I mean, we could make enough. Well, we shouldn't make. I'm just kidding. Never mind. Don't eat babies. We should move on. Let's move on. Um, Let's talk. I made a lot of. I made a lot of notes about the other two, and I just made two notes, and they aren't really notes. One of them just says "jellied fetuses," which is the first thing I wrote down. The as the credits were still the the opening titles were still rolling, Um, but I do I do want to give special notice to the 
the last mouth lick that Miss Lee does near the end. Yes. When her tongue is absurdly long for no reason. That was incredible. What a nice touch. It was totally unnecessary. She could have just licked her mouth and that would have been like teehee, like a little wink. But her tongue was like absurdly long. And it was it. that's the thing that creeped me out more than anything else in the movie. But um, again, it was oddly erotic and I loved it. Loved every second of that mouth lick. And that's something that uh, happened to me a lot in uh, with all three of the entries of this anthology moments where I'm like, wait, I don't get that. Am I supposed to, am I supposed to read into that? And it like is a clue into the larger narrative or is it simply just there? Cause it's there. And that was one. And that's, and that was one of them was the tongue. I'm like, wait, now she transforming because of the fetuses or is it a metaphor? I, di- I didn't get it. She's a lizard person. Yes. Oh, okay. Eating babies. Oh, okay. They're trying to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This also came out in 2004, right? Yes. And Dumplings was apparently turned into a feature-length film, which I've never seen. It was the only one of these three that was. Um, but for sake of moving along, let's talk about the second film, Cut. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Okay, all right, all right. I was just going to suggest that we rate each one out of five oh, okay. and then give it an like overall that. score. Yeah, we can do that. So what would you rate this out of five, this one in particular? Me? Uh, everyone. everyone. Uh, uh, <laughs> I would give it a three and a half. It was very good. I liked it a lot, and I can't help but compare it to the other two, so I don't want to like dock it too many points just by comparison. I think I would give it a three and a half. Like If it was its own thing, that would be my score. I'll give it a three. It had a lot of great stuff in it, but I just, I just didn't enjoy watching it. I am going to give it a four because I really like how it looked. I really liked the... Uh, I think we said in an earlier episode it's like the visual mouthfeel or like the sound mouthfeel you know like the audio mouthfeel the sound is very good is what I'm trying to say stop saying mouthfeel mouthfeel (laughs) um (laughs) I like that and I also liked how it made me think about how um there are some crazy billionaires that would probably eat fetuses so four nice all right now I'm ready I'm ready to move okay so uh, in the spirit of me being correct in um, assigning each of you <laughs> the correct anthology uh, part of this anthology series, Chance, would you like to go through the plot of Cut? Okay. Uh, so the plot of Cut, which is the second installment in this anthology, is about a director. I didn't really catch his name. Did he have a name? Or was he just referred to as the director, I think? Anyways, uh, he's home. At his house in his mansion, and he what's he hear? No, he hears noises. Right, he's just getting home. The house is dark. He's hearing noises. He's investigating. He pulls the power goes out, or he just doesn't get to turning on the lights. So he pulls out a lighter to sort of see where he's going. And all of a sudden, you just see this big flash, and there's this guy. I guess it's hairspray or something, and he's spraying it into the lighter, and it uh, goes into the director's face. Then you cut, and then we come back, and the director is tied up. Is he on a set? I couldn't understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's they... a set 
it's a set that's modeled after his own house for a movie that he's actually direct in the middle of directing. And we're like introduced to that set in the beginning through a scene that they're shooting, which is like some sort of vampire story, interestingly. Um, so yeah, when he wakes up, he's like in his home, but when he wakes up, he's back on set, which is very confusing for everyone. I think at first he's not even sure if he's home uh, or he assumes he's home because that's where he fell asleep, uh, to put it mildly. But then, um, but yeah, but now he's on set and it, and that, I have so much to say about it, but. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that part kind of confused me and then I kind of caught on. Uh, and just uh, backtrack just a little bit. They do open up with the movie that he's directing, which is a vampire movie. And uh, when it pan when it like panned out and showed that it was a movie, I was like, oh, thank God. That, yeah. that that story's not the story that we're going to have to watch for the rest of this. But, um, okay, so he wakes up, he's on the set of his house, and he's tied up, and his wife is also there, and she is all tied up with a bunch of strings, a la Freddy Got Fingered, uh, when he's doing the sausage oh Oregon oh thing. Oh, boy. Hey, don't, don't judge me. Uh, and then, <laughs> so she's all tied up to a piano, she's gagged, and then there's this guy there, and how does the conversation start with him? Is he just like, hey, what the hell's going on? I mean, just to sort of condense it a little bit, the director doesn't seem to recognize him, and he's like, you should know me. And the director's like, I don't think I know you, bro. And there's this incredible montage costume change scene where the guy's like, how about now? And he's like changing into these ridiculous costumes and acting out like miming things like he has like a scuba suit on at it's one like a point coal miner. He's... a coal miner and he's like acting things out and it's so funny it's like classic my boyfriend park chan wook humor <laughs> that's like really dark and disturbing but like just hands down hilarious anyway but he's like how about now how about now and we're gathering that he's probably an actor that the director has worked with but the director doesn't remember him because he was an extra and he's not happy about it well I, was he he didn't seem upset that he was an extra he just had he's upset that the director doesn't seem to know who right. he is he's like i acted he's on been every in single one of your movies yeah and they even had like a, you even, they had a personal even, interaction at one yes, point too. They have so. a personal yes. interaction where you know, like, I, what was it? Something uh, happens to this extra on set, and the director is like, "Hey, like, hold on, like, are you okay? right?" He he, he kicked yeah. over like a hornet's nest or something. Got yeah, stung. Yeah, he gets stung. He by got bees. stung by a bee, which disrupted filming, and a cameraman or someone else on set yelled at him, like, "Ugh, you're ruining everything!" And the director was like, "Hey, I'm sure he didn't mean to do that. Like, calm down. Don't take it out on this guy. Just a decent guy defending an extra, and um, and that apparently he latched onto." as a pivotal moment in their relationship. <laughs> right. And he's bothered by that act of kindness. And he's basically it's... jealous of every aspect of the director because he's handsome, he's got a beautiful wife, he's got a bunch of money, he's got acclaim, esteem. And on top of it, because his whole, the, the, the guy that broke in, is who's the villain in this one, he's he had in his head that at the very least, despite being unattractive and poor and a nobody and a zilch and a loser that at least he had some sort of like moral character compared to the elitists and the rich and the people who are higher social standing. But then it turns out that that idea is blown because the director who's all those great things happens to also be a nice guy in his head. 
Yeah, real incel vibes, but for once targeted at another man. He's like, how can you be so perfect? I'm going to torture you and destroy your life because you're so perfect. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't know. I think everyone's had that thought, like, you know, back when you were in school or something, like, oh, if so-and-so is, like, they're super hot and they're smart and they're also fucking nice, come on. Like, can you just be shitty in one area of life? Like, throw me a bone here, you know? You can't be perfect at everything. So there's that, but, like... Uh, dialed up to 11, that jealousy. Yeah. Right. And so uh, so what he does is he's proposing a moral test. Or is it a test? Or, I mean, what what is it exactly? It's not quite a test, but he's proposing this idea. Well, no. Like what, a trolley problem. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It was like a, it was like a <laughs> this was like a real philosophical kind of uh, entry. But, um, his wife, who is tied up to the piano with her... He also glued her fingers to the keys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a professional piano player. And uh, he pulls out an axe and begins to chop away at her fingers. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, you want to save your wife? Uh, you're going to have to do something horribly immoral. And yet again, we have a child in danger. <laughs> an older one. One... Uh, who has been birthed. Yeah, at the yes. ripe old age of about 10, maybe 9. Yes. And he says, if you want your wife to live, you need to kill that kid. And the kid's all tied up on the couch, and uh, thus begins the moral conflict. And where does it go from yeah, there? Specifically, specifically, he's like, I found this little girl while I was heading over here. Um, you're going to have to strangle her with your bare yes. hands. Yeah. And and if and he puts a timer on it, so he has the metronome going on the piano, which a metronome in a movie is only menacing. There's never one time you use a metronome for good reasons in a movie. I just want to point that out. Metronomes are scary. But but yeah, so he he's like, if you don't do it in the next five, five minutes. minutes, then um, basically every five minutes, I'm going to chop off a finger until you kill that kid. And at first, and he can't do it at first. Yeah, and even the wife says, "Don't do it." At first, yeah. Like he asks the wife, "Should I do this?" And you know, she's gagged, but she, you know, is crying and is shaking her head no. Um, you know, they're really kind of keeping up the pretense that these are good, moral, decent people. But as it goes on, we find out that's not exactly the case, right? Right. Also worth mentioning that this guy is tied by a gigantic rubber band to the wall. Um, the set wall so there's like a hole cut out in the wall and he has like a cartoon character a big rubber band strapped around his waist um it's like a horizontal bungee cable yeah it's like fed through the hole in the set wall and then it's like connected i don't know it's like strung around like framing and stuff so it's just this very long stretchy rubber band um which was such a strange choice and wasn't really like that device wasn't really pivotal to anything that happened, except that it was kind of funny that he kept trying to run forward, but then he would bungee back and smack into the wall. I loved um, it. I just kept thinking, like, his hands aren't tied. Like, he could Yeah, they were. Just... Yeah, they were tied to the, they were tied to, like, the... He was all wound up. Yeah, system. he was all kind of wound up in the bungee, including his hands and stuff. But at one point, his hands are free because he's told to strangle the he, child. They're tied, like, like in front so that he can still do this. 
I just don't think that that's enough to hold someone back from wriggling out of that rubber band. That's all I'll say. Uh-huh. That was a plot hole for me. <laughs> I just feel like he could have tried harder to get out of that rubber band. Fair enough. So, <laughs> uh, he decides that he can't strangle the kid. Um, and fingers continue to get lopped off with an axe. And how do they get into the confession? Well, I think the, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but I think either the director or the extra is like, let me try to prove like that I'm shitty in some other way, like without strangling a child. So the director starts to like talk about, all right, fine. Like I, I will confess I've had, I've been having an affair with someone I'm working with Um, and his wife's right there and she doesn't know about it. So he's like, I'm so sorry, like sweetheart. Uh, I've been having an affair, and also I'm sorry about your fingers. Actually, no, first... I hope you didn't hear that. I was going to say, first, actually, he goes, I am a bad person. I um, tell people, I tell actors not to work with for this particular director because I'm jealous of this director, and I see him as my uh, nemesis, and so I am uh, conniving uh, underneath. And then the intruder just laughs and is like, you call that a confession? That's pathetic. He's like, I just murdered my wife tonight on my way up before I came over here. So that's a true confession. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, then like, they get into I, it. Yeah, he's like, I murdered my wife and I'm an alcoholic and I beat my son all the time. So maybe uh, tell me something that's a little bit more juicy than there's a guy that is also a director and you don't want him to be as good as you. Right. He also talks about how he was going to murder his son, but he even failed at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the intruder is strangely menacing and comedic all at the same time. And that's what I really love about this. I laughed out loud several times during this one in appropriate places, right? Like where there was supposed <laughs> to be a laugh. Right. And there were a lot of laughs yeah. in it, yeah. surprisingly. But that, that, that kind of like... Um, disarming not disarming that kind of like menacing character that is really off-putting and a bit of a wild card and has some funny moments and uh feels very fully realized like this is a very fully realized character uh it reminds me of this french movie called with a friend like harry um i don't know like the whole vibe of those two characters are really similar uh, and I, I love that kind of character when it's done well. And because it, it can go wrong, like especially with the montage of the costume changes, that was so fun and funny, but it made sense in the context of the character um, who is like unknowable, but also fully realized. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I like that kind of style for a villain. He's so average, but... But unhinged. He, but unhinged. And like you could you could see his history... You could see the history of the character in the actions that are unfolding in that part. And he has some sort of speech pattern thing. Yes. And I, you know, like, I'm sure that it's diluted a bit because we don't speak that language, so we can't, it took me a while to identify it even, but he has a sort of, like, speech pattern thing, too. This is what I mean by the incel vibes. He's, like, full of rage about his position in the world, but also just kind of despicable. Right. It's like a weird, like, yeah. I, I thought he was clearing his throat or something. Like the weird, yeah, the inflection like that he has. Yeah, it like an affectation or, or, yeah. or like speech impediment. I don't know. I, I don't, like Tanya said, we don't speak the language. But there was definitely like a thing that I have not heard in other Korean actors and actresses that I've heard speak. 
So, he, he confesses, so director confesses that actually um, he's been having an affair, that he is sick of his boring, superficial wife who only cares about plastic surgery and money and social light type issues. And, uh, at that it's very vicious. Yeah. He gets, re- it, it, it isn't, it isn't like a sad confession. Like he apologizes, but when he's unloading, it's like, he's been, he's had that on his chest for a while. You could tell. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The floodgates. Yeah. Opened. Yeah. And he's mean is while his wife is tied up with her fingers cut off and he's unveiling, uh, this affair and all the things that he dislikes about her. And you're not even a good pianist. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> Yeah, just which is especially rude, kid, given the circumstances. Exactly. Given, yeah, her, her fingers are glued to one currently. So, um, yeah. Or the remaining fingers. And uh, he says something to the effect of like, "Go ahead, chop off her hands." Or the director is like, he kind of is like, "Fine, do you know, do whatever you want." At that point, is that when he kind of goes, "I don't give a shit." Yeah, but we realize he's kind of bluffing because the because right. the guy's like, "All right," and he goes for it. And he's like, "Okay, wait, 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 wait." Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. He does try. That's what's really cool. Also, is I like how the the character of the director, you, he goes through a lot of different strategies to mm-hmm. try to like uh, shift this guy's uh, actions to try to like get him to not do what he's doing, and he tries all kinds of techniques, and that was one of them. He bluffed. Like fuck, fuck it, chop her hands off. I don't care. The whole, I don't care thing. And uh, but then when the guy goes to do it, obviously he goes, "Non, you know, please don't chop off my wife's hands." Even though I despise her. And that's her. when he's like, "Okay, maybe I can kill this kid. Let's try that yeah. again." So yeah, so at this point he's hacking off, I guess, more fingers, right? And uh, the director is upset by this, runs towards the kid, and starts strangling. And it, there's a lot of just like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm really going to do it this time. There's a lot of back and forth. And I'm like, just fucking kill the kid, dude. <laughs> like, I'm on the other guy's team at this point. <laughs> just get it over Shit with. or get off the pot. <laughs> but. But he does. But but not well, really. He he kind of, he chokes the kid until the kid passes out, right? Okay. And, and we discover Yes. Upon the child passing out, uh, a wig falls off the child's head to reveal he is, in fact, a little boy instead of a little girl. And he is uh, Intruder Extra's son who has uh, not been having a good day. <laughs> and then in a in a lucky series of events, the extra intruder slips on some blood and uh, like gets wrapped up in like all the piano wires that are like stretched out from the wife and ends up like getting tangled in there. The wife who's like been ungagged at this point and then like bites his neck, which is cool because in the beginning of this little, uh, this film piece, this movie, this the scene they're filming of the director's movie is of a woman sucking the blood from a man. She's a vampire. So like I like the throwback of then this wife is is trying to defend herself from this intruder by like tearing into his throat and he uh intruder starts to bleed out. Did director write the movie in the beginning also? Because it, the vampire was also a piano player like his wife. So I'm wondering if 
the vampire character is kind of like yeah, that's what we're supposed yeah. to assume okay. that he was he he'd sort of fictionalized his life and it was getting out a lot of his frustrations about his situation and his wife in particular through this movie. And so that moment where he's like real vicious and saying a lot of very mean things about her, like that's when I think it, it clued me in like, oh, he was writing a movie about his wife, sneaky, being an absolute emotional vampire. Right. And why the set looks like his house. Yes. And vampires never die. They look young forever. Their skin is perfect, mm-hmm. from what I understand. All facts. I get it. <laughs> so, yes. uh, right. So he leans in, or he gets tangled up, intruder does, in the piano, all those piano wires and stuff. And uh, the wife bites his neck good, like takes out a huge chunk. Oh, it's so oh, good. Oh, it's, it's one of the best neck bites like it, it rivals any it zombie. It goes on and Yeah, on. and it rivals any zombie movie I've ever seen. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. And uh, so Intruder winds up on his back. He's got a big old chunk out of his neck, and it is just pumping blood all over the place. And then the movie ends by the director. He's, he's, he's lost it. He's not with us really anymore mentally. And he turns to his wife and starts strangling her. And we realize that he thinks that the wife is the child he's supposed to strangle and vice versa. He's 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 not there anymore. Um, and he comes, as my he comes ser- as my therapist says, he's outside of his window of tolerance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't understand that part, to be honest. That, I didn't either. That was the only part that kind of threw me off was that quick shift to madness to where he was seeing his wife as the kid and the kid as his, as his wife. I, I didn't really understand why that happened. But but no, I, I just love this one. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it was it hit the right level of uh, grossness and disturbing material, but had fun elements included that just made it more enjoyable to watch after Dumpling, especially. There were things that um, I loved about it that are the same that I love about every Park Chan-wook movie I've ever seen, which is like he has all of his interiors are so decadent and lush and the color palette is really like rich and intense and fuck, I would live in that house any day. I know it's meant to feel a little bit cold, but like throw down a couple of area rugs and I'm <laughs> sold as is. I'll take it as is. Like the artwork on the walls. I'm sure there's like there's like intention behind every single piece of that set. And um, like in a meta way also, uh, you know, like because it, it's modeled after his own a home in the movie. But I just like it's such even if I hated the story and the dialogue and the acting, I would enjoy watching it because it's so beautiful. And I just want to live in that house. I need to needed to have that said. Um, but also what was interesting is like the camera work was so chaotic and I think if it were a full-length movie, it would start to get on my nerves a little bit. But there were lots of quick cuts and shaky camera. And it really, like, kept you sort of, like, confused and on your toes. Like, it was it was a great way of really immersing you in the story, which is totally absurd. And, like, 
comes out of nowhere and you don't know what's going to happen next. So like the camera work mirrored that and I really appreciated that and also doesn't seem like his style usually. I, I, I'm talking about him like I'm an expert and I'm definitely <laughs> not and I could be just like not remembering. But when I think of his movies, I think of really like like smooth transitions and really like but like just of like polished smoothness and the camera work in this movie was not like that at all it was very chaotic and shaky and um but it was a great touch uh but also again I just again shout out to the humor in this in this one because it's like I can't imagine many directors being able to pull something like that off like having such disgusting kind of like bloody horror in in a movie but also be able to have like a costume change montage and have people like laugh out loud at it um there were moments like that in thirst too that made me laugh when when most of it is like deeply upsetting and gross and i i don't know he's just a very i mean i made him my boyfriend for a reason he's very talented (laughs) Out of out of the three, this one for me, and another reason why it was my favorite was because it was the most anthology like. Like it it mm. felt like an anthology story. It was the perfect um, length. Like Dumpling, I could I could see how you could turn that into a longer movie, um, but this this was a nice compact story without a lot of extra fat to get in the way. Yeah. Right, it was just quick and concise and like a perfect anthology entry so it had a few extra fingers that got in the way but wow (laughs) so how do we rate it i'm gonna give this one a 4.5 uh again it was my favorite and that perfect blend of horror and, and with a little bit of humor thrown in was just a perfect fit for me I'm going to give it a four. Like I said, a lot of these, this one and dumplings were neck and neck for me. I really loved almost everything about, about cut. The only thing that, uh, dropped it down from even being even higher was the ending was a little bit jarring. Yeah, I agree. I also give it a four. And for the same reason, I, it kind of lost me at the end and, uh, I'm going to end up bringing this up again after we talk about box, but um, there are like moments where something either doesn't translate in a way that's clear or it's kind of meant to be confusing. And it's all about the audience's response to that confusing moment. If it, because I don't mind being confused in a movie. I'm not someone who needs to understand what's happening to enjoy a movie. If it's, if I'm like, uh, if it's already hooked me for other reasons, if like the plot is really twisty and turny and I'm like having trouble following it or something or like something happens and I'm like, what and what I feel like I'm supposed to understand that, but I don't. Sometimes I'm like, I just accept that I don't understand what's happening and I'm having a great time. And sometimes I it like is distracting. And this one near the end, it got distracting for me because I was like, I'm not sure if I'm not following or if it's. I don't know. Yeah, and it's a and it's just a hard it's a hard left turn right at the end. So it's just a bad place to be confused, right? You know, it's one thing to be right. confused by things in other as- in other parts of it, but right at the end where you're waiting for the the punch, the punchline, you know, to be confused. That was the only thing I didn't like about it was it did leave me a little slightly confused at the end. 
the other reason I would I would not give it a point something is is just that there were some moments where I'm like I want it to I want the I want things to move along faster um which is kind of crazy because it things happen fast and a lot of stuff is packed in there but for some reason like like the back and forth of am I gonna hurt this kid or not and we, throughout that time we're exploring philosophy and psychology and th- it got a little tedious for me just a hair where I was like let's just move it along let's just kill this kid and move that's on. a perfect segue <laughs> into uh the box box excellent so box this is the movie I paired with Tanya and uh Damn Tanya, straight. I would love to have you tell us about box yeah, I don't really want to go through a play-by-play of this one because I loved it so much and it was so beautiful that I don't want to ruin it for myself. So I'm going to try to summarize. In a twist of fate, I'm going to just summarize <laughs> and not tell you everything that happened. <laughs> but in, this is you? this is sort of like, um, a ha- it's a haunting story. Um, so we're introduced to a, a very beautiful young woman who apparently is an author. And um, she seems very troubled and uh, mysterious. <laughs> and they, she's living in what seems to be like an abandoned school. I don't know. She's, she's um, it, having encounters with uh, a young girl who we suppose is a ghost of some kind, some sort of supernatural entity. She's also having recurring nightmares about being um trapped in a big plastic bag being like you know wrapped up into a ball and struggling to breathe and um it the story is really about us uncovering her past with her to understand how she got to this point where what the the source of the dreams are and what's the deal with this little girl and the backstory is that when she was a child she had an identical twin who together they were contortionists who worked in some sort of circus a dirty little circus in the middle um, of a, a polar <laughs> desert Right. Um, uh, and they're and they were sort of like kept by an older man who was also in the act and they were sort of his assistant. So he was like kind of a magician figure and they would their act was that they would contort their bodies, squish themselves into these two boxes, which then they would disappear. And and so that that was their their childhood was circus hood. Um, and we learn that there was a tragic accident that killed her her sister, and this is the the ghost that is now haunting her. Um, she is racked with guilt, and so the in the story we're sort of just like untangling that story, and that's kind of the point of the of the of the film is just to like uncover her past, and. That's kind of all I want to say about it. If we want to talk about, like, the details of what happens in it, that's great. I have a lot to say about certain shots and things that happened. But I feel like the the highlights for me were, yes, it was hands down my favorite one. And I felt a little bit guilty about that. Because I was expecting the middle one to be my favorite. I was like, well, you can't top this. And then it it was topped. Um, but there, the cinematography was, like, really beautiful. Uh, every little detail was perfect. I, I felt like it was so polished, but not in a way that made it boring. It was like visually polished, but still interesting with how the story developed. 
and it felt like a unique take on a story that's been told before um, and there are like some themes in it that aren't new but the way everything was paired together and the way it was handled just felt like um, I'm going to say this and sound like a complete fucking douchebag, but it felt like very poetic to me and I loved it. Um, what did you guys think of it? I thought it was visually beautiful, uh, but like all other poetry, uh, it was a total snooze fest. <laughs> I was bored pretty much for the whole thing. Um, wow. And it was weird because like kind of like how I kind of like dumplings like I was having these two things going on in my head where I was visually engrossed in it because it was absolutely beautifully shot but I was so bored by what was going on story-wise that I just it just got tedious and it got really and it might have been because I was just kind of bored and checking out a little bit but it got confusing in the middle and then it got really confusing at the end for me like I have no idea what happened I rewatched it just to try to figure out like wait what did I miss and I still don't know what happened I the the so I mentioned this when we were talking about the last one but this is an example of where I was totally confused near the end and I didn't care. I was like, I'm very confused. And that's poetry. <laughs> that's poetry, baby. <laughs> is not understanding what's happening, but having a good time anyway. <laughs> My English teacher would be so proud of me. Um, anyway, but I, I agree. It's so confusing at the end. And I don't, and I'm sure, I'm sure because of how perfect this film is and how like curated it is, that there is some like concrete explanation for like, or a metaphor or something that explains what happens, but it didn't matter to me. And I made a note of that. I was like, there are some movies that confuse you, but you're in it. Like you're fully in it and it doesn't matter if you don't understand what's happening. And that's an example for me. Whereas in cut, it kind of lost me. It made me like question <laughs> if I'm just dumb or, but this, I was like, I'm the smartest person that's ever lived and I'm a little <laughs> bit turned on and I'm confused about that. Um, but this, I, yeah, I fucking loved it. I would watch a full length of this any day, make it three hours. Oh my I gosh. Uh, just, I was... uh, just one thing. I mean, the slowness of yeah, every <laughs> action, every scene was moving at like a snail's pace even things that didn't okay i guess maybe on a poetic artistic level they had meaning but in terms of just a movie going experience and the straight up narrative i don't know why uh the magician guy had to spend 15 minutes bringing his hand up to uh the surviving sister's face in that one. You know what I mean? Oh, because it was very hot. That's why. <laughs> Man, I couldn't wait it for that scene to be over. And psychologically complicated, and it makes you feel a lot of feelings and question everyone's version of events and their experience and perspective. I that's like my one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is is how slow they took that so that it felt like you're processing things alongside them. And that's what I love. I, I love feeling like shit in a confusing <laughs> and sexy way. I, I checked my watch twice and I don't even own a watch. I dare that say. So. Yeah. I was somewhere between the two of you in appreciating how beautiful and artistic and poetic it was. But also I did the same thing, Chance. Like once or twice during that part, I that 
segment of the anthology, I like checked how much longer was left for the movie. So that's one reason why I would probably say this one was my least favorite because it got a little bit too art filmy for me. Right. Um, I have mm. trouble with some of those kinds of movies that are just a little bit too. Okay. So an example of like a movie that is really arty, but still really it was impactful to me was memoirs of a geisha. I don't know if either of you saw that, but it was visually stunning and the story was really great. It's, a very different story than this film, but um, I've I've I got some of the same artistic flares from this piece as I did from Memoirs of a Geisha, and that could also be because like it Memoirs of a Geisha is a Japanese film, so like there's some cultural like crossover. But yeah, it got a little bit too like arty, mysterious, not sure what's happening for me to like truly be super into it and it's and that's par for the course for asian films in general right like crouching tiger hidden dragon that's another example of like very artistic slow shots it for an action movie but i love that movie and i love every second of that movie um but here it just did not yeah i just got it just became kind of a snooze fest for me towards the end well as previously mentioned i I'm a snob, and this spoke to my snobbery directly. I fucking loved it. Um, although I did text you both a picture that I took. I wasn't high when I took the picture. I was just high when I sent it at 1230 a.m. <laughs> um, but, like, there are scenes, like, the whole, the whole we all agree that it was beautifully shot and there there's like visually a lot to love about this one even if it felt slow and you hated everything else or whatever but um and that's also true for for cut um and in in that case like i felt more excited by the set of cut and that's when I took a picture is there was like one shot that was just like sort of a close-up of a candelabra but it was like the color combo of this like cerulean blue and then like red candles I can't explain it it's actually I have these two photographers that I love and I have their books on my in my living room right now and it looks like it came directly out of one of those books it's like a really vivid color palette whereas uh, in box, it's more muted and like uh, stark. So I think like visually, I just I just love I love Park Chan Wook so much for that reason. But yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just loved it so much. I would definitely absolutely skip the other two and just watch this one over and over. Um, like if it came on its own, I would just buy it. I don't need the other two. I don't need to see them again. <laughs> and I think that rude. And I think it's something that anybody who has any familiarity with Asian cinema, Korean, Chinese, whatever, it's like this is Japanese, so. right? But just in general, like yeah, whatever. It's in the whatever category. Point being that even if the content is boring or the subject matter is disgusting and ugly. The films themselves are always so beautiful 
to look at. I, I do want to specifically call out a shot that shows up a few times before the end. It's the aerial shot of the two sisters that is more like a like a dreamlike flashback. And it's just a quick shot of it's it's aerial. They're sitting sort of like enmeshed with each other and it makes them look like they're one creature with like many limbs. Um, I fucking loved that. That was that was beautiful and unnerving. Um and then also, I gotta say, I know that you didn't love it, but at the end, the the confusing part is that suddenly, and there's some like there's some narration, and I'm not gonna try to say what the narration was because I'll get it wrong, but it sort of like, it's it's it felt like like a fade out. <laughs> okay, it was all a sense. dream. It's it's sort trust. of like that, but better. Um, it was, but anyway, the this, the visual of it is that we now see these two sisters as conjoined twins, um, with with the adult sister that survived and the younger sister that died, um, as her age when she died, but they're conjoined and and it's not a very long scene. We just again see like a little bit of a flash of it before the film ends, and um, and it was like really disturbing and beautiful, and I loved it the end yeah and you know it's funny because i was uh jokingly pushing back against the uh content warnings that you guys had put on uh the previous uh episodes and then we watched this movie and i'm like oh yeah it's a good idea let's have that on there <laughs> so, yeah so much because there's a scene in that one where the guy is like molesting a doll is that what he's doing yes yes I actually did like that inclusion of the last uh, part of the anthology where like there's these interspliced scenes towards the middle of like a doll being articulated in like a particularly erotic like sexy way like there's some like stroking and stuff going on and it's matching some of the movements of the actual two twins when they're like 10 years old so it definitely doesn't explicitly say it but it becomes very clear from context clues that these two twin girls at least one of them is being uh yeah like molested by this like circus leader and there's some like jealousy going on between the twin that is getting less attention from the circus master and that's what kind of like leads to this fatal accident of the other twin so it's very sexually charged and like you said tanya confusing ways that uh are confusing um psychokinetic masturbation is how i would describe that is a word that and it's incredible (laughs) it's it's so like i definitely run the risk of sounding like a complete creep and someone who needs a lot of help and one of those things is true i'll let you decide (laughs) um but I don't know, like we're we're it's meant to feel really uncomfortable because we're in the I don't wanna I don't wanna drag this out because I know that you guys thought it was boring as fuck, but but in we're sort of like following the psychology of our main character and she was in a, a an emotionally and potentially sexually abusive relationship with her handler who was an adult man in the circus. That's very dark and not sexy. But we're like the way it's presented in this in this way this really poetic and sexual way is mirroring her own mixed up psychology 
And so I don't know, like it, it, it feels really effective because otherwise, if we're not sort of experiencing the intensity from her perspective, it's just kind of creepy and gross and not that interesting. Um, so I think that's what makes the difference for me, because if you just tell the details of her story, you're like, and you called it sexy how now? Do we call the police? Should we call someone? <laughs> um, but but it's because we're and that's why, why I loved that drawn out scene that you thought was boring, because because we're sort of faced directly now with this really complicated relationship that she has to her sexuality that is born from this tragic event and and also like abuse as a child and it's it's there's a lot there's a lot mixed up in it that makes it um i don't know more interesting f- for for me to watch i, I will say it no, ki- no one else it kind of has um now that, now that i'm kind of thinking back on it actually and it and it makes sense with the magician's mask mask thing that he wears but uh it actually has some like phantom of the opera vibes yeah. and mm-hmm. themes going on uh with it with, with the confusion with that kind of like sexual confusion between the female victim slash talent with this handler slash monster slash like um because uh, he's like still a, a still a point of interest for the fe- for the for the girls right like like right. there's like a I weird mean, attraction there even though he's a monster mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah that was basically her primary caregiver from what we're supposed to understand from from what little we know about the story it's sort of like that's all she knows and so she lost her sister and the only other person that really took care of her was this handler guy. He took care of her in a really fucked up way. But, like, this is a woman who's lost it. She's living in an abandoned building. And the only interaction she has is with her publisher, which is also very sexy and weird, um, and and her ghost sister. And so this is someone who's, like, like lived an extraordinary life and is disconnected from reality because of it. And so naturally, like it's he's like her home that's her going home as fucked up as it is i might try to rewatch it on double speed <laughs> oh my god <laughs> cuz i i am actually finding it more fascinating talking about it than i am uh than when i was actually watching it cuz now i'm thinking back cuz it is it is a real weird david lynch dreamy uh, dreamy yeah. confusing uh yeah, non-linear you know, narrative. Watched, you know, um, I saw finally saw Mulholland Drive for the first time recently. It was playing at Cinema Twenty One, and um, and it was awesome to see it for the first time in the theater. Uh, but it has a lot of similar qualities. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. I didn't think about I didn't think about him at all. Um, I didn't make that connection, but you're absolutely right. Well, I just thought about it now, but again, it's like I think I was in the middle of watching it I, I was just too busy like feeling annoyed by how slow it was yeah it's funny because the one of the notes that I took for this one is that it's a really tight story and I felt that it moved like the the cinematography was very slow and syrupy but the story I felt like unfolded in a really tight way where we were like being fed information steadily so that it felt like things were moving and moving and moving even if it, that didn't match necessarily visually, which also might be another reason why I love it, that it felt like the story was unfolding. I wasn't left 
like what's okay like let's get on to the next thing like I felt like they were like um this is gonna sound racially insensitive but sort of like origami like it was unfolding steadily like origami for me it, it felt that way like I didn't feel like it was a slow story but I do feel like the shots were very slow and there wasn't like a lot happening in a lot of them but I loved that I was learning about I was like uncovering her history but in a way that was like like a, a dream or origami's Japanese right yeah. Yeah, I just mean I don't want to be I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to be too on the nose about it, but it just genuinely even feels that way. <laughs> well, origami is interesting, not to rabbit trail too much, but or, or origami is kind of like uh, a weird philosophical artistic form. And so I could see how that could translate into uh, that those sort of yeah. ideas translate into other mediums like a film. The themes of her folding herself literally into a box and psychologically and sure. um, emotionally folding herself up. Uh, and, all right, I take it back. It's not insensitive. It's yeah, on no, the nose it's in good. a good way. Because <laughs> like with origami too, you, uh, right? You have to kind of trust the process. You're not gonna. It's gonna look kind of uh, fucked up. You're not gonna understand what's going on always with origami until you get to the end. So I can see it. I can see how it's related to this film. Like Danny's review is that of this is hashtag trust the process. Trust the process. Just, just trust the process. There's going to be a conjoined twin situation at the end. You're going to like that. I think if it wasn't so confusing towards with the ending and kind of throughout, I might have been able to deal with the tediousness a little bit better. But I think it was a mixture of it going slow. I think I was tr hoping for the next scene to come so I could understand what the fuck was happening. So it's funny. I didn't feel confused at all until the very end when I was like, oh, they're saying something that I'm not quite unpacking, but I don't really care that much. I'm just here for it. Um, but I felt more confused by the, the story before. Well, and it's weird because you're right. The story itself is pretty straightforward, right? Like, there was yeah. some jealousy. Uh, some actions were taken that wound up in a tragic event. And then there's the psychological uh, ramifications, fallout. the fallout after that. So, yeah, that was all straightforward. But the way that it was shot and the way that it was unfolding and then, of course, the last part of it just added a lot of confusion. It was like a visual representation of trauma because you have like a very like you said, straightforward story. The backstory is if if you, we just relied on the details of the story, it would feel a little bit campy to me. Like circus backstory. Right. I mean, tragic circus, fire, you know, like. Creepy but twins. Visually and, and how we're experiencing the story is dreamlike and also a representation of trauma in that we're in and out of present and past and metaphor and reality and there are like cuts to her behaving in a way that we can't tell if that's actually happening or if it's in her mind and we see a lot of her like waking up from a dream. Um, but we're not sure if that actually happened or not. And 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 the backstory is all about trauma and the complications of trauma. Um, I think I just respond to any representation that feels real about trauma. Like, if it feels like it's not, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, um, exploitative. 
of traumatic events and like there are, horror is a treasure trove of uh misrepresenting trauma yeah. <laughs> and turning it into camp and um and and yeah exploitation I mean, that's that's and mostly is, horror is exploitation <laughs> right and and this is an example i think of like honoring and like not glorifying but honoring how trauma can show up and i could go on and on i'll just say five out of five five out of five wow okay wow danny yeah 100 percent. um this was a three out of five for me again Ooh. beautiful um stunning but if i if i check the runtime on the tv twice during like a 45 minute piece I you also it. checked your fake watch <laughs> I yeah my fake watch like chance we share the same fake watch didn't you know um yeah if i check it twice during such a short piece then yeah it's gotta it's it's gotta be a three yeah chance I, you know again i'm very torn because it was visually beautiful and i and i want to give it credit for that right yeah uh because you because i understood intellectually that I was watching something good, right? It wasn't done <laughs> poorly. But the fact that I was just bored out of my mind, I have to give it a two. Just because I was... I mean, Ooh. it just wasn't It wasn't for you. You know, kind of like how Tremors was fucking not for Tanya, not so much for me either. And The Conjuring was really not for me and mostly not for Tanya either. It just was, you know, this one just wasn't, wasn't for Chan and kind of not for me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jerk off to it later. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not that fucked up. Wait. I loved it so much. I'm I'm like I'm like don't don't get a big head about it, Danny, but I'm like grateful to have been introduced to it. That's how much I love. love well, it. I'm going to take that and I regret I take yeah, it back yeah, immediately. Uh, I regret my head. Saying, I'm the best. Oh I am great and everything is wonderful about me. And now chances mad look at I'm, so, I'm mad. so mad. I'm just thinking right now. <laughs> there are plenty more episodes for you to finally win me over. I don't know. They're all very tremorsy. Stop saying mouthfeel. Mouthfeel, 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 mouthfeel.